Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. The Foundations Podcast. Hey, good morning. It's so great to have you guys here. 2017. I know you guys are all so tired this morning, but you know what? Give yourselves a round of applause for making it on the first day of the year. I think that, I think that Jesus is proud of you too. I really do. I really do. Hey, my name is Aaron Frizzell. This is my wife, Reagan, right down here. We have uh, three beautiful children, Jackson, who's 12 years old, Jada, who's seven, and has a ball of creative energy. And we have a one-year-old now. She just turned one December 14th, and her name is Ivy Grace. Um, no reason why we spaced them out that way. I have no good answer for you. Uh, it was just the heat of the moment. It just happened, all right? Actually, I heard a comedian recently say after two kids, uh, once you introduce another kid into your life, it's kind of like if you're drowning and then someone throws you a baby. That's, that's a good description. But hey, it's good to be here with you guys. Uh, by the way, everybody who is uh, bearded people this morning, uh, I'm jealous of you. I recently tried to grow a beard, and um, it looked like a homeless person's starter kit, is, is pretty much what it looked like. But there's also areas of my face that, uh, like, when I look at those areas on my face in the mirror, they look back at me and go, dude, I'm not going through puberty. I'm still 10. And so it just, it didn't work. But I'm jealous of you guys. I was going to try to do the, like, beard into the wintertime. And then, you know, when your wife looks at you and goes, that's not good, you know to shave. So uh, I, that has nothing to do with my message. I just wanted to share that with you guys. I, I am bearing my soul to you this morning, and I'm glad that I could do it with all of you on the first day of 2017. Hey, I do uh, believe that the best thing I can share with you um, in fact, before I go into that real quick, I just want to say you guys have some of the most phenomenal staff, and Pastor Justin and Casey and their team are some of the finest pastors, and you, yeah, show them some love, absolutely, and I'm not going to forget now because Michael, who was sitting over here a while ago, last time I was here, in the middle of the prayer, I forgot his name, and I still couldn't remember it, so I just prayed out loud, God, I don't remember the youth pastor's name, but you do, and I just kind of went with it. And uh, I, after coming back again, I was like, I'm going to figure out his name. So Michael, who's your youth pastor, is a, is a stud, and he's an awesome guy. But I, I think you have some of the finest pastors. If you've never been in local church pastoral ministry, it's very difficult to truly understand all the pressures and the stresses and the challenges that they go home with. Everybody has unique pressures. Um, but in the spiritual realm, what a pastor does, there's some very unique pressures. And so continue to pray for them, lift them up, give them a thank you card, 
I don't know, give them money just because you love them, not because you're trying to tithe. I'm just saying, you know, send them to dinner somewhere, do something like that. But they are awesome. And I feel like the best thing I can bring to you this morning is something I'm learning. So this is not something that uh, maybe will, will blow your mind this morning, but it's something I'm learning. And I think it's something that you guys can benefit from as well. And I want to ask you a question, and we're going to wrestle through this question this morning uh, for the remainder of the time. It's simply this. How's your soul? That same, kind of seems like a deep question on the first day of January. Uh, and I'm going to define that for you. But I think between December 1st and December 31st, uh, definitely before that, but during that specific time frame, there's thousands upon thousands of social media pushes, uh, commercials, magazines, billboards, uh, television shows that under the currents of what they're creating is for you to understand this. You're not good enough the way you are. If you set good enough goals and get with the right coach at the right time and have enough self-determination, you could become a better version of you and as they create this undercurrent of discontent, it drives us into this mentality of, you know what, you're right. If I would just do a better job of setting goals, if I would find within myself self-determination, I could be a better version of myself and there's new year, new you, and, all, and I don't disagree with all those. But what I will say is this, if you only focus on the external drive in your life, and never ask yourself, how's the inside you doing? You could accomplish every single goal on your checklist, every one of them. You could get to the end of it. I've seen people that have posted at the end of 2016, hashtag crush my goals. You could crush every goal. But if you don't find a contentment on the inside, you're never really gonna become the person that God created you to be. So what is the soul? Let's read a scripture and find this out. The Bible says, in Genesis chapter two and verse seven. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and this is important, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Your soul and my soul, literally according to scripture, is referencing the breath of God. This is why even in spiritual realms, even in church settings, we, we go and we act on the external of we attend and we serve and we, and we share our heart and our testimony and all these things, but there comes a point where we, if we don't check and balance what's going on in the inside, we, we don't stop long enough to say, God, is your breath still inside of me? Because without the breath of God, you're just a fleshly being walking around just kind of existing. There's a song a long time ago that we used to sing in church that I grew up on that was a hymn that just simply says, it is well with my soul. And at this point in my life, I begin to ask myself, what, it, what does that really mean? What does it mean to be well with your soul? Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. I wanna give you four foundations or some checkpoints about asking yourself, how's the health of my soul? And in fact, I want to encourage you guys, if you're readers or if you do audio books, there's a book by the name of, uh, author by the name of Judah Smith. He's a pastor in Seattle and uh, he wrote a book called how's, how's Your Soul? And it was actually designed kind of targeting a lot of his uh, friends in, in pastoral ministry. 
but it works in, in every setting. And it's one of those books that has challenged me. And I want to take some of the stuff that I'm learning in my own life and challenge you as you, as you embark on a new year, be cautious only focusing all your external inputs. Because if the internal part of you is not healthy, I promise you, I promise you, you're not going to find fulfillment. So let's look at four of the benchmarks of what it means to have uh, a healthy soul. How is your soul? Number one is rest. Everybody say rest. Isn't that a good word? Everybody do this with me. Just take a big, deep breath. Ah, just let it out slow. Now don't fall asleep. I want to read you a scripture that gives us an idea because we're going to go back to the Garden of Eden, the very beginning of time. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye, good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of the life, of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I want you to think about this in terms of rest. Now, let's be honest for just a second. When we think about the perfect environment, especially when we think about the way we've seen it here on this side of eternity, is if you think of the garden, don't you think that the, the, like the way God created it was is like a foreshadowing? Maybe he had like a marble cross in the middle of the garden somewhere that had like some scriptures or, or Adam plus Eve plus God equals perfection carved into one of the trees. Or maybe he had like a hide and seek thing. And he had like little scriptures that were carved on some of the trees and you had to go find them. And, you know, the version of what we think is the most, most uh, uh, spiritual environment that you could think of. And it says in here, and this is what's interesting about it, before sin entered the world, when he created the garden, it says not only was it good to eat, but it was pleasing to the eye. God is, is a environmental genius. So he created a place that not, not only when you looked at it, you thought, wow, that is stunning. And you ate it and you thought, wow, that is delicious. And they laid on beds of grass that were probably the softest grasses on the face of planet earth. Not like Bermuda that works in Oklahoma and Texas that uh, looks pretty until you lay on it and then it's like laying on needles. Um, but I think that this place was a place of, of such serenity. And it was one of those environments, I, I consider myself, I joke about it all the time, I'm an environmental junkie. If there's a place I'm going to go, it's a place that I want to, I like the paint colors and the smells and the, just the feeling and the atmosphere and the music. I want to go to places that just kind of paint an atmosphere. And Jesus was an God was an environmental genius, and he created the perfect place of rest. I want to read you a couple of scriptures, and I want you to think about this. Psalms 127, verse 1 and 2. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builder's labor is completely in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Isn't that a good scripture? I think that we need to get all of our children to memorize that. I grant you sleep with Benadryl to those I love. Please sleep. I'm just kidding. I know that that's not nice. I think it's great, though, that God tells us I give you rest, I grant you sleep because I love you. 
And I'm not saying, because it's hard, when, when I think through this message, it's like, okay, God, well, what does that mean then? Does that mean that I never need to stay up late and I never need to get up early? No. There's people that because of your personality and your makeup and the way that you find your energy and there's a certain energy time in your life that you have to get up and maybe it's early, maybe it's mid-morning, maybe it's mid-afternoon, maybe it's late in the night. What he's saying is, don't be so arrogant to think that if you find within yourself and read enough self-help books that if you find your own drive and you can take credit for where your life is going, don't be so arrogant to think that God is not involved in all the details. That he didn't put the breath inside of your lungs to give you the energy to stay up late or to get up early in the morning to put your hands to what he has given you and put in front of you. Don't be so arrogant to think that it's not because of a healthy soul that you can enjoy that. Because here's the other side of this. On the other side of the goals, and you heard Michael reference it, a lot of times the reason we become so kind of tired in our goals from January 1 to like March 31st, or March 30th, how many days there is in March, I don't remember. But the reason is because we find that we, we, we didn't have a motivation that went beyond, well, I just want to look like this, I want to sound like this, I want to do this amount of push-ups, there was no motivation other than just, I want it to be about me. And God says, wait a second, stop and rest. And let me, let me speak to what's going on inside of your life. Another scripture in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29 says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. We were, uh, we were actually attempting to watch something last night. There was this uh, military thing called the selection, and there's this guy on there. He's one of the drill sergeants, and he, he looks a little scary, I'm not gonna lie, because he looks into the camera and goes, I have no mercy for quitters. I have no, and then he does this like sadistic laugh. He's like, I have no empathy for quitters. And I look at him and think, oh dear God, I don't ever want to meet a guy like that. And here's the thing though. Sometimes on this earth, we think that we have to find this drive that is so relentless. But look at the type of leader that God says that he is. It says, for I am gentle and humble in heart you will find rest for your souls. Now hear me for just a second because I'm not saying that you need to interpret that and say that if God made you to be an intense person that you shouldn't be intense. You should be that. But ask yourself this though. Are you breathing the breath of God onto everything that you are wired to be intense into or is it just your own self-motivation? Because the moment we make it just about own motivation, rest is something that begins to get depleted and all of a sudden now it's on the backs of what we can do. So this morning, I want to encourage you, rest. Now, this is going to sound a little weird because we're going to flip into another one, is restraint. The second one of a healthy benchmark of, of, your, of a healthy soul is restraint. Now, why is this important? Let me read this to you in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 through 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now think about this word for just a second. Is, uh, I flipped one too, meant responsibility. Restraint we're going to come to. Hey, we're going to backtrack real quick. We're going to go to responsibility for just a second. Genesis 2.15, because I don't want to skip that part. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work, to work it 
and take care of it. I want you to think about this one for just a second. Because if you go from rest, now we're going to talk about responsibility for just a second. Responsibility is understanding the joy of what's been given to you to contribute. Now, I'll be honest, I read so many studies on this, and I, I don't even really like talking about them because I don't think that everybody's fair to every generation. But they say in this generation, a lot of this younger generation is one of the highest consumer generations that there's ever been in all the history of time. And they mark it from a certain time and, and all of like consumer debt that goes up and it's just about what I can get and credit cards, all this stuff. But here's the thing I think happened is because we didn't find joy in the responsibility that, we, that God put in front of us, and we put our eyes on the role that we wanted, then we consume everything that we can in order to get to the role. Now think about this whenever you were younger. If you got your first job, let's say it was at Brahms and you're scooping ice cream, and it's the greatest job in the world. Why? Because you make $8 an hour, and you get to scoop ice cream all day long, and you get to taste test stuff whenever you know when nobody's looking, so that you get to eat a little ice cream, make eight dollars an hour. You get to you know flirt with girls that are coming in because you're you know you're 16 years old, and you're like, hey, what's going on? How's it going? And scooping some ice cream, and man, you're loving it. Why? Because the responsibility to contribute to society. You get to contribute, but now all of a sudden, when you take that job, there's another role that you look at and go, wait a second, I'd like to be like a like a manager. Because, man, they get to just tell everybody what to do, and they make more money. So now we get our eyes fixed on the role. So now we work really hard, and we, oh, man, I'm going to become a manager. I would venture to say that everybody in this room who are in the role that from a childhood you looked and said, if I get to that role, if I can become CEO, if I can become president, if I can experience autonomy in my role, at that point, then I'll find fulfillment. I would venture to say that there's not a vast majority of more fulfillment in the role as there was at your very first job. Because responsibility is our innate desire that God put inside of us from the very beginning in the garden that said, work this land. Why? Because I want you to learn what it is to contribute and create and reproduce things. And in this culture, we can get so wrapped up in finding the role that should make us happy that we find no joy in the responsibility of what God's given us. I'm saying I'm guilty of that because even as a parent sometimes, the responsibility of children, but the role of being the no guy and having to create boundaries for my kids and the role of you know going and doing the job when you're tired, when you wish that you could sleep in. And sometimes I have to stop and say, God, thank you that you give me the responsibility to raise kids. Thank you, thank you that you give me, the, give me the responsibility to be a husband, to love my wife. Don't get your eyes so fixed on the role that you lose all the joy and the responsibility that God's given you because that's the way you've been wired. God wired you to be responsible and hand it to you. Next is restraint. This is really cool because I think this is important for us this morning. Restraint, chapter uh, two, verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge and of good, of good and of evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. This is the cool part about the word picture of understanding. The tree represented God's greatest act of love for humanity, and here's why. Without choice, there is no love. In fact, if you were to go to the local 
jail, or prison and ask people what it means to force their way into something and not give someone a choice. That's how you get yourself put in prison. Forced love with no choice is abuse. Now think about the act of love that God said, I'm going to make sure that you have perfection, but I'm going to put something in the middle that I don't want you to touch just for this simple reason. You have to choose me. Because when you choose me, then you begin to understand true love. See, as parents, right now, I have, I got the no card. Me and my wife, we got the no card for our kids. Oh, you want to do that? No. You want to do that? You want to go there? No. Oh, you want that? No. No, no. No. I hold the no card. And because of their ages, there's probably a lot more no's than there are yeses. They may not understand all of them, and I guarantee that we've had some good, awesome conversations about why they don't understand it. But here's the deal. My goal as a parent is to eventually raise children that I begin to hand over the no and the yes card that as responsible, healthy-souled young adults, they can look and in the, in the middle of adversity look at something and say, I have a no card and a yes card that mom has slowly given to me. I'm going to choose to say no because my soul is healthy enough to know what's right and what's wrong for me. Isn't it awesome to think that God did that for humanity? That he didn't say, I'm going to make perfection and I'm going to make it so pretty, there's never going to be an option for you to fail. Instead, he said, I'm going to still leave that option out there because I just simply want you to know I want you to choose me. And all throughout humanity and in our lives, I guarantee you the reason why everyone is in this room is because God has placed a relationship, a person, a conversation, maybe a song that someone wrote you listened to, a conversation you had. It could have been at the bar last night that someone had a conversation with you that sparked something in your mind that God chose to take that conversation and go, hey, I need you to be in my house tomorrow night. I have something I want to do in your life in 2017. And in our lives, God places roadblocks of grace to remind us, hey, I just simply am saying, I would love it if you chose me. I've already chosen you. In fact, I've already called you by name. I gave you a plan before you were ever in your mother's womb. I'm just saying, I'm going to put this out there, and I'm going to make sure that this is out there clear because I just want to say, I hope that you choose me. God's not so insecure that if we don't choose him, he's like, we know what, fine. You don't choose me. Me choose Satan. That's not cool. He's cool with it because he knows the fact that he's going to continue to put things in your life that speak grace over you and speak to the soul part of who you are. That when you have someone look at you and go, Psh, dude, you didn't even accomplish your goals in 2016? Psh, failure. You're like, you know what? No. God calls me a success no matter if I reached all the external goals or not. I got tomorrow. I love, if there's a scripture I quote more than anything, is when I lay my head down on the pillow at night and I think, man, I've, I just stunk it up today. I was just, I was mad when I shouldn't have been. I was short with my kids. I was agitated at my wife. I, I didn't really focus as much at work. You know what scripture I quote more than anything? His mercies are new every morning. I thank God that he made a sun that goes down at nighttime a moon that comes up and a sun that rises in the morning. Because when I see it in the morning, I think, man, thank you, God, that I have a brand new start to today. But it's teaching us the joy of rest, the joy of responsibility, and the joys of restraint. I, at this point in my life, am learning 
process, learning to embrace my own limitations. I talked to someone earlier that they had had a shoulder surgery and they said, I just feel frustrated because I, I can't do the things I used to because you know, I tell myself in my mind, I'm gonna go do that and then I realize, oh, I can't do that because I'm still healing. And at this point in my life, I'm learning the joy of restraint. Oh, I guess I, man, it's weird. I used to be able to stay up super late and get up in the morning, at least just drink one cup of coffee, I'm good to go. Now I stay up past midnight and I'm like, Dear God, someone shoot me. I mean, seriously, I'm gonna need 97 pots of coffee and 83 Red Bulls to wake me up and even want to get up tomorrow morning. And then your kids wake you up and you're just like, can you, I know you're one, but Ivy, could you make your own breakfast? You know, I mean, I, I'm just tired. But I'm learning the joy of restraints because as I learn them, I'm discovering that as I see that God puts the no's in my life, the restraints in my life, I begin to see, wait, if I embrace that restraint, then I can be healthier in this area of my life. If I can embrace this restraint, I can be healthier in this area of my life. I can be healthier for my family in this area of my life because I'm learning the joy of discovering why God put a limitation in my life. Another thing is this, because when you learn the joys of restraint, you also learn that it's not always up to you. Because if you had unlimited, my son loves superpowers, and we just watched all the different superpower movies recently and Doctor Strange or whatever it is. And you know what? Every time you watch it, it's like, man, it would be awesome if I had superpowers. I could just like twist stuff and change it and just like, man, manipulate people. And we don't have that. Why? Because we understand it's the joy of leaning into God to say, God, I can't do this, but I know that you have the power to do this. If I abide in you, your word says that there's nothing impossible. The last one, so we have rest, responsibility, restraint. The last one is relationship. Relationship. Genesis 2.18 says this, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. If you begin to study that last sentence, I will make a helper suitable for him. It means someone compatible and complementary to him. And this is not just talking male and female. This is us understanding in life Asking God, God, bring people into my life that make me better. Bible talks about as iron sharpens iron, so one man or brother, or man or woman sharpens another. God, bring people into my life. I would love to say that I have the ability to be best friends with like a thousand people. I don't have enough time though. In fact, I, I just have enough time to be best friends with my wife and, and be with my kids as much as possible and have a handful of great friends. But God brings people into your life, and as he brings them into your life, it's the joy of saying, and I'm not, I'm not saying that everybody loves to have a million friends. Maybe you're a wallflower of a person and you just love alone time, but there's also people in your life that'll make you better in that alone time as well. But God was gracious enough to say, I could just have one human being and just kind of make it just about him. But he said, I'm gonna bring someone suitable, someone who's complimentary to this person. And I thank God every day for my wife. I thank God that he, he brought her into my life suitable, complimentary to who I am. But I love this, that God brought something into his life that he could begin to understand the depths of relationship. See, in our lives, sometimes we can bank on the fact that the way that we define relationships in human terms, the way we interact with people is exactly the way God does. But when God, when you look at what he does as he breathes life inside of us, you begin to understand why his word is so incredibly important. 
that reading this and chewing on this is, is regurgitating and bringing back into your life the breath of God to filter through your life to see what it, what it is that he has to say to you. And I'll be honest, I'm not someone who sits and, <laughs> this probably sounds a little weird being a pastor, I don't sit and read for chapters and chapters every day, even though I, I could at my job, I could do that, but I find that when I am short on breath, I go back to what God's word says and redefine it through the relationship I have with him. I want to give you a closing story of something that I think will help illustrate this. There was a young girl who had a dad who was pretty hyper busy with his job. He was a business guy. He was uh, someone who was constantly traveling. And uh, his dad, her, her dad got home one day and, and she, she looked up at him and she said, Daddy, I'm so glad you're home. Hey, I have a question for you. How much money do you make per hour? And he said, Sweetheart, I don't, have, I don't have time to talk about that. What are you talking about? I need you to leave me alone for just a second. Well, let's get ready for bed. It's, it's kind of late, and I just got back from traveling. And she said, I know, I know, I know, I know. But just tell me, how much money do you make per hour? And he said, okay, I make, I make tw- like, it's like $20 an hour. And she said, okay, okay, okay. Well, they kind of went throughout, you know, getting ready for bed and all that stuff. And he was kind of agitated at it, but he put her to bed and, 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 and went and laid down. And probably like a lot of us, he flicked up social media or something and maybe reading a book and maybe catching up with his wife. And he's laying in bed. And he's like, man, I'm trying to figure out what it is that she wanted. So he goes back into the room and, and uh, she said, he says, hey, honey, why'd you want to know how much I make per hour? And she said, well, I was going to see if you could... Uh, if you could loan me 20 bucks. And he said, okay. So he goes and gets a $20 bill and gives it to her. She said, hey, um, this week, uh, I'd like to give this back to you and uh, I'd like to buy one hour of your time. And I'll be honest, as a dad reading this story, it's kind of like, oh man, I hope I don't do that to my kids. Can I tell you what the cool thing about Jesus does in our lives though? Is God looked down on humanity and saw everything that vied for the time of the people that he created. And he comes to us and realizes the only way I'm gonna get time with them and get their life is I'm gonna have to give a life. And he sends Jesus. And in our lives, as we begin to look at the personhood of who Jesus was, it was him making this trade-off of something that this is this truth. God will never ask you to do something he was not willing to do himself. He's never gonna ask for your life without saying, oh, by the way, I'm not gonna ask for that until I remind you I gave a life. And in fact, it was my only life, my only son. I'm gonna give it, but I'm asking for your life in return. Can I just challenge you this morning? My wife uses this term a lot, and I love this term. Don't make the terrible trade. Don't trade just your 2017 goals and all the things that these represent, your finances and your, maybe your marriage and maybe your family, maybe you're, maybe you're wanting to get married and your dating life and your, your purity and, and, and all these different things that maybe some of you are gonna give up, maybe some of them you're gonna embrace. Don't trade all of this external though and trade it out for the soul of who you are. Because I promise you, if you trade your soul, the soul of who you are, just for accomplishing a checklist, you'll miss God in the middle of all those pieces. 
So I would challenge you as you're getting ready to do the seek week that they're putting on here. Uh, remember this, it's not really just about the six to eight and the 11 to one. It's about time and relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would say, keep your charts, keep your Excel sheets and put them all together. Hashtag crush your goals. And in the middle of it, write time with God, 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 time with God. Because just like Michael stood up here and said just a second ago, if we're willing to put God in the middle of everything, I would, I would venture to say that some of your goals will even change because the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you and go, you know what, that's a good goal, but it's kind of selfish. Why don't we kind of change it to where it affects more people than just you? You know what, that's a good goal, but that's gonna take too much time away from what you value most. Why don't, why don't we kind of restructure this a little bit? And the Holy Spirit has a way of breathing new life on what we thought our plans were. The Bible says a man plans his own chart but God orders his footsteps. And that's my prayer for you this year is that as you do a check on your soul and rest, are you resting? Are you taking joy in the responsibility that God's given you? Are you embracing the restraints that God's put in your life? And are you fully embracing the relationship that God has placed with him and with you and with the people closest to you? In fact, I'll give you four little quick walkaways. Number one, you guys are gonna love this first one. Take a nap. Eat, great, eat a great meal and spend time with the people you love most. How many of you guys think that'd be okay? You probably do that today. You're like, yeah, I can definitely do the nap, dude. If you'd shut your mouth, I can get out here and take a nap a whole lot quicker. You know what I'm saying? Number two, be responsible for what it is that God has given you to do and do it as unto the Lord. Take joy in it. You may be thinking, dude, I hate my job. You know what though? God may have you there to be an example of grace to the boss that you absolutely want to punch him in his face or her. God may have you there for a reason you don't even have a clue about. Number three, embrace your limitations. Now this is a tricky one because I'm not saying don't push past your limitations. Don't embrace them so much that you're like, you know what? My 2017 goal, I'm gonna be as lazy as possible. I'm gonna take naps, I'm gonna eat food, I'm gonna spend time with people that I wanna love, and I'm not gonna push past any limitation. In fact, my limitation is, I can't leave the house now because I have to take a lot of naps and eat a lot of food, all right? I'm not saying that. That is lazy and that doesn't honor God. That's not being responsible. But what I am saying is embrace wherever it is that God's saying no and ask him why, what he's trying to teach you in the middle of that. And the last one is, take the greatest joy in your relationship with Christ for the people closest to you. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ, start one today. Best decision you could ever make. Start a relationship with Christ. Rest, responsibility, restraint, and relationship. How is your soul today? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, God, that you love us and you created us in such a way that we can find joy in the things that the world maybe doesn't even find joy in. Because when you're in it, God is going to work. So I pray a blessing over every marriage, over every financial situation in here, over every single person who is searching for where God is going to land their life next, over every job, businesses represented here. I speak a blessing over them. I speak a blessing over their 2017 goals, but God, help us to check where our soul's at today. Speak to us. Speak to us.
Help us not make the terrible trade-off, but we're willing to trade our life only because you gave your life first. If you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, not as an act of emotionalism, but just an act of just simply saying, this is the time I'm gonna choose it. I wanna count to three. And if you're in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, would you raise your hand wherever you're at? Again, just simply as an opportunity to say, okay, this is decision time. One, two, three. Raise your hand wherever you're at to say, today is the day I'm gonna say yes to Jesus Christ. Anybody in this room, just hold your hand up as high as you can so I can see it. You can put it right back down. All right. Would you stand with me? I want to pray a blessing over you guys again, and then I'm going to hand this over to Pastor Shannon. Thank you guys for letting me be here today. I pray a blessing over this year for you. Let me pray for you right now. God, I pray over your people. I pray specifically over Foundations Church. I pray your blessings that you would bring leaders into this church who are ready to serve and give and bring unique talents that this church doesn't have yet to complete the vision and not to compete with it. I pray that you would bless every marriage. I pray that you would bless every business represented in here. I pray that you would bless every grandchild and child. I pray that you'd bless the children's ministry and the youth ministry and all the next generation that are being raised up to be God-fearing young men and women. I pray over, over this congregation, Father, that they would experience rest. God, that they would find joy in the responsibility that you placed right in front of them. God, that they would fully embrace the restraints only because there maybe is something else that you have that you need to turn them towards. God, I pray that relationships will be built that are so strong that last a lifetime, that take root and become life-changing, life-giving relationships that take place right here in this church. I pray over the staff that you would bless them and use them to be a voice to this city and to this area. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody amen. Believe, belong, become. Join us in our vision here at Foundations Church. Our services are every Sunday morning at 9 and 10.45 a.m. And our youth service, FC Students, is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. For more info, check us out online at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.